Everyone has a story. With moments of longing, confusion, pain, and sadness. But we have been invited. We have been invited to be a part of a greater story. To be a part of a greater story. A greater story. One of hope. One of hope. Love. Peace. And healing. This is God's story. God's story. Our story. Our story. Your story. A story of immeasurably more. A story of immeasurably more. A story of immeasurably more. You know, there's a story in the Bible back in 2 Kings chapter 6, and Israel is at war with a nation called Aram, and, and the king of Aram keeps sending raiding parties into Israel to attack, except there's a guy in Israel who's a prophet. His name's Elisha, and so Elisha keeps tipping off the king of Israel and saying, hey, be ready because the king of Aram's going to send a raiding party, and they're going to come in over this gorge, and so sure enough, whenever the king sends this raiding party, the Israel army is there, and they're waiting. And so then when he comes over this past, boom, there's the Israel army. They're there and they're waiting. And finally, the king of Aram, he just is he's so frustrated. And he calls all of his generals together. He calls his lieutenants together. He's like, all right, guys, who is it? Who's the spy, right? Who's selling us out, right? How in the world does the king of Israel know this is happening every time? And finally, one of his generals kind of raises his hand. He says, um, it's not us. There's a prophet over there. There's a man of God named Elisha, and he's the one that keeps telling the king of Israel what we're going to do. He's telling him the whole battle plan. And so the king of Aram, he says, okay, let's go take out Elisha. And they find out that Elijah is down at this little house in Dothan, and he's probably having a spiritual retreat there, and him and his servant are there. And, and you know, we don't know a whole lot about this servant. We just know that this servant, you know, may have grown up going to the tabernacle, but he was going, man, there's something more. There's something missing. I, I don't... I don't get it, I don't understand. And so he's traveling with Elisha. Elisha's saying, hey, come on, we'll go pray about it, we'll talk about it. And there they are. They're down there having this spiritual retreat. And one morning, you know, the servant wakes up and he goes out the door to get the paper or whatever they had back there in Israel times, you know. And he looks up and there is this squadron of soldiers. And the king of Aram has his soldiers right there getting ready to take Elisha. And the servant like slams the door and comes running back in. Elisha, Elisha, you know, they're, they're here. They found us, they found us. And I can imagine Elisha, older guy, he just kind of gets out of the bed. He's like, ah, you know. And he says, hey, don't be afraid. And I'm sure he's going, what are you kidding me? There's an army here getting ready to take us. And Elisha's like, uh, don't be afraid. And he kind of opens the door and he looks out. He goes, those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. And I bet this servant's kind of going, I'm not great at math, but let's see, one, two, you know, <laughs> army. I mean, what are you talking about? Those who are with us are greater than them. I mean, Elisha, it's me and you. What are we what in the world? And, and then Elisha prays this. God opened his eyes. And God opened his eyes. And all of a sudden, God opened the eyes of the servant. And he looks out, and on the hills surrounding the king of Aram and his army, there are all of these chariots, there are these soldiers, there's these warriors, warriors of God, and they are on fire. Can you imagine? And then Elijah prays, God blind that army out there. And he walks out and they're blinded, they can't see, they don't know what's going on. And Elijah grabs one of their horses and leads them down the road, takes them to Samaria which was the capital of Israel at this time, and walks them into the city, closes the gates behind them, and then he says, God, open their eyes, and they open their eyes, and they're surrounded by the Israeli army. 
And the whole Israeli army is right there looking at him. And the king of Israel says to Elisha, hey, should, should we kill him? Elisha's like, no. Don't kill him. God, God brought him here. God delivered. You know what? In fact, feed him. Give him some food. And so they prepared this great feast for the army there. They, they fed them. They showed them kindness. And then I love that they let them go. In the last verse of 2 Kings chapter 6, it says, and there was no more war between the king of Aram and Israel. There was no more war. This morning, we're beginning a brand new series called Immeasurably More. And I'm so excited about this series because I just believe that that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. I believe God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine. That God has a huge plan for all of us. And it's more than we can see. And my hope and my prayer is that in this series that God would open our eyes to what he's doing in our life. That God opens our eyes to what he wants to do in us and through us for his name and for his glory. See, so often we live this life of fear, you know. We're like that servant, oh no, what are we going to do? And yet God is saying, hey, I'm doing something bigger. There's a bigger story that's being written. And in this series, we're going to see these three things. This is God's story. That God is sovereign over all creation. That he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of life, the sustainer of life. But also in this series, we're going to see our story. Because God has brought us all together. And we lock arms to serve the Lord together to make a difference. And, and your decision impacts more than just you. And then you're going to see your story. And I pray over these next six weeks that God would write a greater story in all of us. That God would invite us to know him in a deeper way, in a in a way that we just grow more in love with him and more alive in our Christian life than we've ever been before, that, that we come alive and experience all God has for us. It was 14 years ago this month, and God called us to, to plant Rolling Hills Community Church, and there were 15 people in our core team, and I love these people, and many are still here, just so grateful to serve God with them, but 15 people, and God gave us a verse. One verse. And God just said, this is the verse. 15 people in a verse. It was a little scary. But we serve a great God. And God said, just watch what I'll do. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want us to see this together. So I want to invite you to open with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm excited today, you guys. So I hope you're ready because, man, God is moving. God is working. And I'm so thankful for what he's doing. If, if you don't have a Bible, we have a free Bible for you after the service. Love to give you a Bible. Uh, man, God's word is alive. And as you read and study what God wants to do in your heart and your life, it's amazing. It's just so awesome. So Ephesians chapter 3, New Testament, as we unpack the word of God together. If you have a mobile device, you can find the scriptures online at YouVersion. But pick up here at verse 14 because I want to set the context for us before we jump into that verse. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison. Uh, Paul is in prison. Now, he had been in Ephesus years before. And in Ephesus, it was a commercial town, very affluent. You know, it was wealthy. It was a lot about money. It was a lot about pagan worship. But God started doing a work there. And there were believers that were coming to know Christ. And lives were being changed and transformed. And the church started there. And the Apostle Paul had the chance to plant the church there. And so people are coming to know Christ and lives are being changed. And now Paul has moved on, but he's been, you know, arrested. He's put in prison and he's writing back to the church. And he writes here in verse 14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. So you can imagine the Apostle Paul in prison, on his knees, up against his cot, just on a 
praying, praying, praying for that church there in Ephesus. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, don't you love that we could call God Father? <laughs> Jesus taught us to pray, pray our Father, community. Father, Abba, Daddy. Not just that God is distant somewhere, you know, God's got big things going on, but, but God is our Father, our provider, our sustainer, our protector, our defender, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We are the body. And I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul says, here's what I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying that you will be strengthened with power. I'm praying that you will live with confidence because of what God's doing in your life. That you will understand that he is for you so that, may, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you focus on Christ, that Christ is the center of your life, that Christ is the center of your heart, the hope of glory. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, and I believe Paul's going, hey, you remember, remember we planted the church? We planted the church in love, that you love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, Jesus said. If you love one another, being rooted and established in love, and you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul's like, this is my prayer for you, that you would know that God loves you. That you would know that there is a God who is for you. That you would know there is a God who will never give up on you. And you would grow in that love. In fact, that love, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And so often we, we run after knowledge, right? And knowledge is great, it's important, but, but he says, I want you even more than knowledge to know love. I want you to grow in love. Jesus said the most important commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then he said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I ask you, are you growing in love? Every day when you wake up, you know what? Every day when you wake up, say, I wanna grow in love. Today, I don't care if I accomplish anything else, but if I love God more, and if I love the people around me more, man, I've had a successful day. Because God is a God of love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I can just imagine Paul praying fervently for the church and just, I want you to reach your full potential. I want you to become all that God wants you to be. I want you to be filled to the fullness of the measure of God. I want you to know him so completely. And then here's the verse. So here's the context, but here's the verse that God gave us. 14 years ago, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Don't you love that? Now to him, it's God. It's God alone. God alone is the one who can change a heart. God alone is the one who can bring hope. God alone is the one who can bring peace. God alone is the one who can bring joy. Now to him who is able, that our God is able, that our God is greater than anything we face, that our God is stronger now to him who is able, and I love this, to do immeasurably more. Isn't that great? Immeasurably more. God's not just sending, you know, one horse and one chariot. God has a whole hillside filled with chariots, and they're on fire. I mean, it's like God does immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Think about in your own life the things that you ask God for. 
Think about in your own life the dreams that you have, the things that you imagine. And now think about this, that our God is able to do immeasurably more than that. Our God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You see, God uses ordinary people, right? But it's his power that works in us. And you're thinking, well, why would God use ordinary people to accomplish his mission in the world? You know why? So God receives the glory. That's why. God works through us so that God receives the glory. And people go, there's no way that person did that. There's no way that, that, that church did that. There's no way that, that had to be God. You're like, yeah, it was. All him. It's his power that works in us. It's his power that is alive in us. To him be glory, that word glory literally means weight. To him be glory, honor, praise, adoration, worship. In the church, this word church is ecclesia. It literally means the called out ones. The church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Some people will say, well, you know, I love God, but, but I really don't love the church. You're like, what? That doesn't make sense. If you love God, you love the church. You know, the church is the vehicle by which God accomplishes his work in the world. And no church is perfect. In fact, if you're here today looking for a perfect church, I'll save you the time. We're not perfect. <laughs> but I want to tell you that God is here. And God is moving. And we're all a work in progress. And God is molding and shaping. But to him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church. And then, and in Christ Jesus, <laughs> You know, our Lord, our Savior, our redemption, our hope, everything in Christ and in Christ alone throughout all generations. Some of you, you may have grown up in a Christian home. And you, you think about your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents who, who were part of a church in their day and their generation, furthering God's kingdom. And listen, now it's your turn. Now it's our time. This is our generation in which God has entrusted us and God has called us. And guys, that's why we spend so much time and energy with preschool and children and students because God's called us to raise up the next generation. And it's amazing what God's doing. Forever and ever, amen. Amen literally means I agree. I agree. And so here you are right then in August, you know, 14 years ago, holding on to, to this verse, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. We just held on to it. God, you can do what only you can do. And in January of 2003, God called us to plant rolling hills. And, and I want to tell you, I was scared to death. I'll be honest, man. I was like, God, are you sure? Did we miss it? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. And my wife, praise God for my wife. I love my wife. She's awesome. She had more faith than I did. I gotta tell you, she's like, no, this is what God's calling us to. We're gonna stay strong. We're gonna trust him. The night before we launched the church, she had a dream. And she told me the dream the next day. She said, I don't understand it, but I don't know what it means, but I just keep seeing these silhouettes. And I can't make out faces. I can't make out names. I don't know what's going on, but I just see these silhouettes of, of people. And she goes, somehow I feel like they're gonna be our friends. And somehow I feel like that, that there's going to be this relationship that we're going to have. And somehow I feel like that, that God's doing something bigger. And she goes, I just had this dream. 
And I think back and think, man, God was opening her eyes and opening my eyes. And so in that January of 2003, as we met over in an apartment clubhouse and started meeting people in the clubhouse in the apartment complex, and I remember meeting a guy named Tyson. He was in the weight room. He was working out in the apartment clubhouse place, and I saw he had an Indiana shirt on, and I said, hey, man, uh, I'm Jeff. And he said, hi, I'm Tyson. I said, you go to Indiana? And he said, he said yeah. In fact, I was a, a yell leader there. He said, when Bobby Knight threw the chair, he missed me by 10 feet. I go, awesome, man. Well, good. I'm glad he missed you, you know. And, and I said, well, hey, we're starting this Bible study. It's kind of like a church thing. You want to come? And he's like, sure. I anything else to do. Great. And Tyson started coming, and I'll never forget when he came over. We had a community group in our apartment, and he walked in the first night, and here we are, and he was looking around. Different people had a Bible. He didn't have a Bible, and, but he had a great time, I felt like, and I just didn't know if he was going to come back the next week, but the next week he came back, and he showed up, and he had a Bible in his hand. He said, hey, guys, look, I, I, went, I got a Bible. He said, I went over to this, this store called Lifeway. Anybody ever been there? Y'all ever seen that? He said, I went over there, I got this Bible. He goes, they even put my name on it. And I was like, Tyson, that's awesome, man. And I'll never forget watching the guy, Dave Shirsley, he was sitting there and he goes, hey, let me show you something. And they sat down, he goes, you know, you got one and it's got a concordance in it. He's like, what's that? And he goes, well, look, if you want to know more about prayer, you can look it up in the back and it'll show you different verses. And, and Tyson goes, dude, I got the deluxe version. He goes, this is great. And I just got to watch what God was doing in Tyson's life and, Tyson came to know the Lord and had the chance to, to baptize him, watch his son come to know Christ, his daughter come to know Christ, and, and just lock arms with Tyson. Tyson was out in the parking lot this morning at the first service. He came up afterwards. He was like, man, what God's doing? He's so fired up. He's still fired up 13 years later about what God's doing. And all of a sudden, God just said, hey, there's people who, who I'm drawn to myself and I'm doing a work in you, and I want to do a work in others, and I'm just going to bring people. And so all along the way, God's just been bringing people. And we've been coming to know the Lord, and lives are being impacted, and lives are being changed. And, and we're just holding on for the ride. And whether you've been here, this is your first Sunday, or whether you've been here 13 years, man, we're just all in this thing together, right? And we're locking arms and saying, I want to know God more. I want to see him do what only God can do. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. God, it's all about you different gifts, different talents, different abilities, but a common call to know Jesus and to further God's name in our day and in our generation. There's an African proverb that just says this, one drop of rain doesn't make much difference, but many raindrops together can turn a desert into a garden. And I think that's what God's doing is God is transforming lives for his glory. It tells us in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Isn't that true? So often we feel like we gotta fight the battle alone. So often we feel like, man, it's just us until God opens our eyes. He says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I think about that, a cord of three strands, God's story, our story, your story. That we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. 
I remember when we had just planted the church and received a phone call from a guy named Steve Davis who was a friend of mine in Texas. And he said, Jeff, hey, would you bring a mission team to Moldova? And my first response was, where's Moldova? You know, I had no idea, no clue, and had to go look it up and figure out where Moldova is. And I said, Steve, we only have 15 people. I mean, I don't know. And he started telling me about the poorest and smallest country in the former Soviet Union. And, but then the statistic that just got us, 60% of girls trafficked into prostitution in Eastern Europe come out of this country of 4 million. And I remember our hearts just broke. And we said, you know, there's few of us here. We, what kind of difference can we make? I mean, the odds are overwhelming to go halfway around the world. I mean, it's going to be thousands of dollars. I mean, really to confront this giant of sex slave trade. I mean, there's no way that, and God just said, trust me. Step out. Open it up and see what I'll do. Eight months later, we took 18 people and went to Moldova. And you know the story. Because many of you are involved and you've been and you've prayed and you've given and lives have been impacted. Six years ago, God caused to start Justice and Mercy International and this nonprofit that God's using to impact the world. And today with transitional living homes there in Moldova, and today there's a, a staff of 12 full-time people working in Moldova. And while we're here, they're working around the clock, a national director, a psychologist, a psychologist, a, a, a social workers, and just incredible men and women who love the Lord, a vocational director to help these kids. And you guys are making a difference halfway around the world for the glory of God. And that's nothing that we could ever dream or ever imagine. That's so much greater and it's all him. It's God's story. But it's our story. And it's your story. And God is at work. I want you to watch this video. A couple of people in our church, and they said a few years ago, hey, maybe God's calling us to take a step of faith and go on a mission trip, and, and we'll go. And watch what God has done in their lives and the lives of others. Lynn, Steve, thank you, Maria. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for just sharing a little bit of your story. Tell us um, kind of life before, you know, kind of before all of this. Steve and I, you know, have two wonderful children, Craig and Casey. And you know, we, we've never been a family that's been, you know, self-absorbed. I mean, we've always tried to help people when we saw a need. And so I think, you know, going to Moldova and meeting Maria made us really eager to want to help her as well. When we went back in the summer of 2012, Craig had just graduated from high school and uh, was preparing for his first year of college. And Casey had another year of school, you know, under, behind her that she had to do. But um, it was never on our radar ever as a family to you know, try to bring another child over to live with us. So we just had a simple life, you know, before this. Very simple. You know, at the time, we were pretty close to being in an empty nest. And we we're kind of looking forward to that. A lot more freedom, could do the things we wanted to do. One of the things that um, was sort of had been in my heart for a couple of years was the fact that I wanted to take my family to a, on a mission trip. Uh, and that desire, I think, was a God-given desire. It was one that, um, was there, but the means to do it, the financial means to do it wasn't there until 2011, 2012. And while it would have been tempting to <laughs> buy a new car, put it towards the kids' education, that desire to go on this mission trip was still there. So 
we, we resisted the, those other temptations and decided that, that we'd go. And I think that was one of the, the really the defining moment that started this sort of Maria chapter in our, in our lives. I remember specifically, you know, you sharing with us the group that was there that summer. You know, one particular night you said, you know, it's time for you to make a connection with an orphan or with a child or person here and just get to know them. So that really did inspire me for the next day. And I had seen Maria on a bench for the whole week, basically just by herself the whole time. So I knew in my heart that I needed to make that connection with her and just you know, if I could try to get to know her. So I did, and here we are. <laughs> and, I, and I think that that comment that you made, the, I think it was like on a Tuesday night, Wednesday she goes and talks to Maria. That was another defining moment where that connection was made. And, uh, you, you know, you look back and all the defining moments in the last four years, there have been a lot of them. And even through the the dark times and the easy times, uh, there were so many instances where we saw God's mercy, His grace, uh, strength, the finances that we needed all came to us. And it was just, uh, it's been an incredible uh, four years. It's been a difficult four years at some times, but it's been worth it. I love that first step of obedience for you guys. And Steve, that just takes a lot of faith, you know, to say, we're going to take my family. We're going to go. And then that obedience to, you know, have that conversation with Maria. What was that like? When did you start to know, hey, there's a connection here? I just think when she looked up at me finally, because she wouldn't look at me first. And, uh, but I think just seeing how vulnerable she was and how lonely and how sad she looked. Finally, you know, got her to look up, and then, of course, when you look in her eyes, you know, um, her left eye, she has no vision in it at all, and um, I just, we just knew there's doctors in America, and if one of them could help her get some sight back, we wanted to try to do that for her. So tell me about life since she came, since you got Maria here. Do you want to talk a little bit? You're doing good. <laughs> um, it's been harder, but sweeter. And, you know, I think after about the first six months, the honeymoon period ended. And so now we are helping her take off some layers, you know, of fear and hurt and abandonment and shyness and trust issues, and we're trying to help her become the Maria that God made. <laughs> Maria, what's it been like for you? It's been great because I never thought I'll be here, but it's also been like kind of sad and hard because I lived there for, for 15 years back in Moldova, and to leave my friends and people that I connected, it was hard, and I came here and I was like thinking, why am I here, you know? I'm just like, this is not what I thought it would be. I thought I'd be in Moldova still. But when I came here, I'm like, God had a better plan and plan. And it's hard now, but it's going to get easier. And I did. I mean, I learned English. I was able to talk to more people, make some friends. And it was great. I mean, like, I hear, when I came here, I find out who really God is. And I realized that 
it's time to give my life to Christ. And yes, I did that decision. And I am the happiest person ever that I could do that because I know that every time I fall, he's going to pick me up and he's going to say, it's okay. I'm right beside you, you're not alone. I'm gonna walk you through this hard life. And sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy, but I know he's always by my side. And no matter what I do or what's happening, he's gonna be right there to pick me up every time I fall. I love that, you know. Jesus, Jesus told us it wouldn't be easy, you know. <laughs> but, but Jesus told us he'd always be there for us. And he has been, and he will continue to be. And uh, God's writing a bigger story in you, Maria. You know, God, God's doing a huge work in your life. Uh, you walk down the street and people recognize you now, you know, <laughs> in America. So what's that been like since your surgery? When I was still younger, I used to have vision, but when I turned seven years old or eight, I started losing my vision. Yeah, the doctor said from being born premature, but I also had problems with my dad, so he was very abusive to me. And so that's, that's a part of the problem too. And um, after surgery, we went home. And so dad's like, you want to go see yourself in a mirror? And I like yell. I'm like, I'm beautiful. <laughs> because <laughs> I've never been able to tell those words to myself. Because people have been telling me those words. But I'm like, mm -mm, I'm not. Because if I don't see, then I'm not convinced by that. And so I got to see myself. And she sent the video to Dr. Wang. But I did not know that he's going to put on TV. <laughs> I had no idea. None of us did. <laughs> anyway, People just come up to me like, are you the girl from the, uh, from the TV? Are you the girl from the TV? I'm like, yes. I'm grateful that God uses my story to change other people's life. And if that's what he wants to do, then I am ready. And when I, whenever he wants me, I'll be ready to do whatever he wants me to do. Steve, Lynn, what would you say to people just about being obedient, and how can you encourage people to follow Christ, and even experiencing this immeasurably more life that we talk about? Anybody that's going to make any kind of major decision in life, whether it's you know to go on a mission trip or to bring an orphan back and help them, or adopt a child, or whatever it might be, uh, you've got to count the cost, and because it's not easy, and, and serving God sometimes you're, it's messy, it's difficult, there's challenges. There's just all that potential for things to go wrong if you don't keep your focus on God, keep your focus on the task that He's given us. You know, anybody going through their story, that process of all those difficulties that you face along the way is what makes you more Christ-like. Mm. Maria, what, what are you thankful for? Ned. God sent His Son, that He died for us. I'm thankful for that, that he, you know, he loves me, that He never lets, you know, never lets me go, that He's holding my hand always, and that He gave me a family that I wanted so much. Because when my mother left me, it was almost the hardest time in my life, and I was left with abusive dad, and my other brothers left, and I always wanted somebody to be right, but by my side. I'm thankful that you know that he loves me and that he let me live this beautiful life that he's giving me. It's not easy. It's a great life. I love it. Even if it's hard, I still love it because I know that God is right there and he's with me. And no matter what I go through, he's right by my side. By my side. I love Maria. I gotta tell you, I just love her. I love 
Stephen Lynn, and I often think, where, where would Maria be today? I don't know. But God opened Lynn's eyes to see this precious girl. And then God opened Maria's eyes. And by the grace of God, through surgery and Dr. Wang, and it's been amazing to watch her and to see her come alive. And this girl, she is an evangelist, man. She just loves Jesus. She tells everybody about what God's doing in her life, and she just shares about the hope that she has in Christ. And God's done immeasurably more in her life, and God's doing immeasurably more in your life. You know, as I look at our culture, I gotta tell you, I really think there's two types of people. I mean, our culture is really divided into spectators and participants. You know, college football kick off, and there'll be 60,000 people watching 22 college students play football. America's got talent, right? 12 million people watching 21 contestants or 25 million people at the Olympics watching a few thousand athletes. And sometimes that can carry over into our spiritual life and we think, well, I'll just sit back and watch other people and God's going, no, 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 no. I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. I'm writing a greater story in you. And your obedience matters. Your obedience impacts more than just you. Trust me. Follow me. And so often we're afraid and so often we hold back and God's going, come on, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Philippians chapter 4, it says this, do not be anxious about anything. And the Apostle Paul's writing this again from prison, right? Do not be anxious about anything. And maybe today you're anxious Maybe today there's circumstances that you just say, well, God, I I don't know if you can handle this. This is so big. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I believe the immeasurably more life just starts with us being thankful. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Think about this. That God loves you so much, he sent his one and only son who died on a cross for you, who paid the price for your sins. And if God doesn't do anything else for us, that is more than enough. But yet God lavishes his love on us. And God says, I made you for eternity. I made you that you would spend eternity with me. I made you so that you would be drawn close to my heart. And not only that, God says, I'm going to lavish on you, you peace and joy and purpose in this life. I'm going to surround you with people who love you and believe in you. I'm going to bless you with clothes to wear and shelter and food to eat and even more than you can even eat. I'm going to give you so much. And when you and I begin to open our eyes and just say, wow, God, thank you. You are my father and that you will sustain me and that you will uphold me. God, thank you. And now open my eyes to the greater story. Open my eyes to what you're doing. A few weeks ago, my middle daughter, Mabry, turned 10. Big birthday, double digits, you know, and she was so excited about it. And that weekend, uh, there was just all kinds of people. I mean, people came over. We had different things that were happening at our house. And then people were writing notes and cards and emails. And so many people from church who just poured into her, Sunday school teachers, teacher on Sunday morning, different people. And... And that night as she laid down and I, I, I knelt by her bed, I pray over my girls every night. I just place my hands on them and I pray that they know that God loves them and that their dad loves them. And I put my hand on Mary's head to pray for her and she just looked at me and she looked at Lisa and she said, thank you. Thank you for you guys just being there because I have so many friends now and I have so many people who love me 
and who care about me. And I want to tell you, when your child says thank you, you know, there's just something that does something to you. And maybe this morning you just need to hear that there's a God who is proud of you and that there's a God who has a plan for you and it's bigger than you. Maybe this morning you just need to listen as your kids say thank you for taking me to church or a friend says thank you for inviting me or a child that you sponsor through JMI says thank you for pouring into me and seeing me and believing in me. Thank you. God's writing a bigger story in all of us. And listen, God's not finished with any of us yet. God's not finished with any of us yet. There is still breath in our lungs for a reason and for a purpose. And I truly believe with all my heart, the rest of your life can be the best of your life. And God's inviting you to see what he is doing in this world. And so my prayer for all of us is this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's immeasurably more. That's what God wants to do in you. Are you ready? Because the best is still to be. This morning in our response time, I wanna wanna invite you to do something a little different. I want to invite you just to put your hands out and open your hands to God. This is something that the Quakers would do when they would pray. You know how so often we live, we we live like this, we're all tensed up, we're holding on to everything, everything financial, everything in our lives, we're trying to hold it and protect it and it's just tense in our shoulders. But you feel that relaxing when you just open your hands? Maybe put your hands in your lap and just open them and say, God, here I am. God, I've come to receive. God, what do you want to teach me? God, what do you want to do through my life? God, I'm yours. And now would you just pray that prayer that Elisha prayed over that servant with him? Would you just pray, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to a greater vision. Open my eyes, God, to a greater story. Open my eyes, God, to see what's really important in life and what really matters. God, don't let me miss it. God, don't let me settle for so little when, God, you want to do so much more. God, open my eyes. Maybe today God's calling you to take a next step in your spiritual walk or your spiritual journey. Maybe for you it's salvation. (laughs) Maybe the grace of God is just all over you right now and you just see that God sent his son to die for you. For you, personal. Maybe today God's calling you in a step of obedience. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. Maybe it's serving. I don't know. But I want to tell you, your obedience impacts more than just you. It will impact generations. As I pray for us, I want to invite you to do something. As I pray, I want to to invite you just to keep your eyes open. You know, so often we close our eyes to pray, but 
But would you just keep your eyes open? And maybe look around and maybe you're sitting next to a, a friend who, who's just been there with you through the good times and the tough times and you know, man, they were a gift from God. Maybe you're sitting by a spouse who just loved you. Even when you thought you were unlovable and God just loved you through them. Maybe you're sitting by a child and you just see God's plan unfolding in their life. Would you just look around? Maybe you think about all God's doing in your life and your church. So Father, here we are, your people. And God, you're writing a bigger story in all of us, God. You're writing a story of grace and of redemption. And God, we just thank you. Thank you for the people around us, people that we love. Thank you that you're not finished with us. God, there is a glorious unfolding in our life that we are still a part of. And so, Father, we open our hands and we open our eyes to you. Do immeasurably more.